They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Most people have a difficult time with this concept called esoteric. A lot of people think esoteric just means people who know a lot of stuff and don't really want to share it. So they put it under a cloud of esoteric philosophy, esoteric teachings, and they talk about stuff that's so up there that no one can possibly understand. Most of the time, they don't either. The truth is, esoteric teachings is about one of those things that you look at, and when you read it or you hear it, you gain an insight. And then when you read the same sentence or same uh, hear the same concept again, you gain another insight. So esoteric teachings is designed to open up your conscious to deeper and deeper layers so therefore it transforms, helps you to gain greater insight about yourself, about life, about your actions, about what you want to read, and how to flow. A lot of people hear the word the occult and they think it's dark and bad and evil. It's really not. No, it isn't. It, it, it comes from the Latin word occultist. It means secret or hidden. It's a word that came into usage during the Renaissance when Renaissance writers and thinkers were rediscovering the spiritual traditions of antiquity from Egypt, Greece, Rome, and they referred to these things as the occult. Manly wrote about some of that in the secret teachings of all ages, but not in in a negative way. He saw Freemasonry, for example, as an organization that believed in principles of individual liberty, ecumenism, religious freedom, and did believe, I think correctly, that Masonry played a core role in the founding of our nation. Groups like Freemasonry, the Rosicrucians, the historic Illuminati, all these groups revolved around the idea that the individual spiritual search was the birthright of all people. These secret societies vouchsafed ancient ideas and eventually helped bring them to light in the founding of the United States. Welcome back to another installment of Illuminati Confirmed. And we got somebody in the house today. I'm Juan from the Juan Juan Podcast. We got Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. And we got Pope Christopher from Mensa Podcast. And we have Esoteric Eddie with us today. What's up, bro? What up, what up? Namaste. Here I am chilling. A celebrity, bro. He was just on Timfo. He killed it. And here he is with us. Going to chop it up. We're going to talk some some marsupial theory. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I've never heard of that. You never heard of that, bro? You never heard of the marsupial theory, dog? No, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like a laughing matter. It sounds bro, very serious. That really literally laughing. rings no bells. That's some esoteric yeah. shit. So, Eddie, before we get into it, bro, can you can you plug your stuff? So oh, listeners man. can find you. I know you're already famous, but just in case, you know what I mean? For sure. You guys cut out for a second there, and I don't, I don't know if that happened to you too, but uh, didn't catch the last now? bit. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. I said uh, if you can plug your stuff so people can find you. I know you're already famous, so uh, it's probably not going to do much. Nah, but... nah. <laughs> nah, man, I'm still underground, dude. But uh, 
of course, Instagram, Esoteric Eddie, uh, YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. And uh, got a bit shoot too, Esoteric Eddie TV. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find me on there. Right on. Do you, Bro, I thought Chris? I thought you had said something else. I thought you said like you a bitch, you too. I was like, what <laughs> are, we yeah. all, are we all lost in translation here? What's going on? <laughs> this guy's gangster, bro. <laughs> Can you read the disclaimer, Mark? And you a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick. Oh yeah. Uh, welcome to Illuminati Confirm, where everything you say can and will be used for satirical and humorical purposes by the court of we three degenerates. All right, just just putting it out there, bro. This is this is like a free form. You know, we're trying to find the the answers to the the lizards, if you will, the Illuminati confirmed, and trying to really dig deep, bro. And I I, I don't know any better person with you know than other than a person with the name Esoteric Eddie to come on and shed some light on this stuff. What Can guy? You explain you... the origin story, Eddie. I, I'm sorry, Juan, to cut you off. No, that was my I question. I am very curious too. Yeah, what? Let's get into the origin story. Where did this start for you, bro? Like, what first maybe like opened your eyes to? these strange truths that you're you're dispersing to the masses absolutely do well my entire life has revolved around the esoteric but uh some of the earliest things that i can remember well i grew up in a in a religious family and uh the bible always intrigued me the stories and stuff like that i always knew there was something there something deeper there and i'm the youngest of four kids two brothers one sister and we were all rebels. So, like, in third grade, third, fourth grade, I was bumping Pink Floyd, Hendrix, Bob Marley. And, you know, I used to run around in elementary school with, like, an oversized Bob Marley shirt and just listening to all this rebellious mu- music. And um, I remember when 9-11 happened, I was in third grade, right around third grade. And I had already not trusted the government due to like pink floyd and stuff like that i remember watching the wall the uh, animated uh, pink floyd movie the wall when i was like in third grade and i used to run around like doing the hammer thing like tear down the wall not even knowing what that means so i already knew government wasn't to be trusted and i i didn't like school or authority anyway and um when 9 11 happened I was young, but for some reason I knew like the government had something to do with it. I don't know if I heard that from somebody or something, but I just knew that like George Bush was sinister. And then um, it wasn't until like right around sixth grade, which was like 2006 ish for me, I started getting into hip hop music. And then of course, a lot of those lyrics started to wake me up too, um, specifically like underground hip hop. And then, uh, this one of the strangest occurrences that I had early on in middle school was um, my first time meeting a Freemason. And I didn't know what that was until later on, but it intrigued me in that moment. And um, the story goes kind of of like this. I'll tell it to you briefly. I was like probably in seventh or eighth grade. And uh, me and one other kid that I was cool with had to go to Saturday school for, you know, being bad and stuff. And it it was, it was uh, us too. And then the Saturday school teacher, um, I still remember his name, Mr. Robert McCreary, an Irish guy, nonetheless, also known as Mr. Roberts. And he was really cool on campus. Everybody loved him because he was, he was chill. He let you be yourself and he didn't care if you cursed and stuff. 
he just said, don't do it around women and, you know, kind of gentleman kind of guy. But uh, we're sitting there with him and then he always was rocking this fat, like golden ring. And out of nowhere, he just starts telling us about the ring. And he's like, well, I'm a part of this organization. We're called the Freemasons. And um, back in Ireland, you know, my priest, my, the leader of my lodge took me to these old lodges and, and these dungeons where skeletons are still exist today. And, and uh, he showed us the ring and it was a Freemason sign on it. Didn't know what it was at the time. And he's like, my priest gave me this ring back in Ireland when he was dying. And he told me, if anybody tries to steal this ring from you, they will die. So it was like, what the hell? You know, being like a middle school, like hearing this was, you know, all the stuff I'd gone through before and that. And then also uh, something else that happened in my young life that kind of sparked my mind was uh, my grandpa was it used to be a pastor and then fell into like some alcoholism and then kind of got out of that and then kind of was just chilling and working for the rest of his life. And he was always like watching unsolved mysteries and stuff like that when I was a kid. So I knew what UFOs and aliens were on at an early age. And he was always out in the corner, like smoking cigarettes at family parties, looking up at the sky. So one day I decided to ask him like, yo, grandpa, why are you always looking up at the sky? And he decided he uh, started to tell me the reason was because he had seen a UFO before. And um, so I was like, what the heck, you know, growing up in a religious family and my, my grandpa being a pastor. So I had I had asked him, like, well, how does that make you feel about God? And he just kind of took a drag and looked at me and said, well, I don't know. So, uh, you know, being intrigued and, and listening to all this music and being rebellious and knowing the government wasn't trustworthy and then meeting a Freemason in middle school and then hearing my grandpa tell me that aliens are possibly real. And then finally, like taking it upon myself in high school to really start reading and researching and watching all these videos from all the classics like David Icke, Alex Jones, Bob Purcell, and like all the OGs in the game. <laughs> I, I really, really started to learn this stuff. And then from then on, it was just from high school up until now, which I'm, I'm 27 years old now. So it's been over 10 years of these life experiences and researching. And I've gone through different incarnations as an artist too, trying to get this information out, some failures, some successes. But uh, through it all, I've uh, recently refurbished myself and come back out as an esoteric Eddie within the past several months. You've been rebranded. Yeah. Yep, redesigned, rebranded, and just rebirthed. Why would you use those words, Chris? <laughs> I'm a designer. No, me too. Me too. I use that word that word a lot. I I do a little bit of graphic designing, and I've had done a bunch of other artist stuff. Wait, so es I tell esoteric Eddie, go in on Mark. Then you got my back, dog. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. There's nothing wrong with viewing yourself as a brand because. Uh, people are going to perceive you whether you like it or not. So you might as well help that perception to be more consistent with who you are. And like I was saying, I've gone through incarnations as an artist. I've had different artist names that I started to not feel genuinely connected to. So I was like, dude, I just want to be Eddie, but there's got to be something else involved with that Eddie. So I was like, boom, esoteric Eddie. And what degree are you, bro, of uh, a Freemason, dog? Dude, I'm what they call a street mason. I'm an honorary member. <laughs> nah, dude. No, I actually have a, a pretty cool plaque here that I found at a thrift store um, from 1913. And it's a, an honorary plaque, a certificate that was given to a 33rd degree mason. 
Bro, you I'm, bobbing I'm, and weaving right now, bro. I'm like looking at Illuminati it. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't buy it. You like the Matrix. I, I'm with Eddie. I, I believe Eddie. I don't think he... I, I, I'm with that. I think uh, I've been given honorary status to some groups, <laughs> but I've never been to any meetings, right? Right, Eddie? We've never been to any meetings, so... Nah, bro. Heck no. Honestly, that shit would be boring as hell. <laughs> and you know what's well, funny? Yeah. Go ahead. Now, you, know, you know what's funny is like we always accuse like Freemasons is like running the world, and obviously there's a lot of that going on. But if you ever watch like a free a female Freemason like ceremony, you look at that and you're like, nah, these chicks ain't running shit. <laughs> Are you talking about like the Eastern Lodge, like that kind of yeah. thing? Eastern. Yeah. Stuff. Where, where where have you seen that? Is that like YouTube video you can find? He's been there, bro. Now, you know, I got a funny story about that, too. If you guys haven't heard it on, uh, I'll probably said it. on a couple. So I'm from San Diego and in Oceanside, there's a there's a uh, Eastern Lodge. So for those who don't know, uh, Freemasonry has a female section. It's called the Order of the Eastern Star. And its logo is literally an ups. It's a pentagram. It's, it's an upside down star in a circle. And like the different parts of the pentagram are colored with di- different symbols. So it's like a rainbow pentagram. And there was one, there's, a, there's one of them in one of my local cities and there's a big ass, there was a big ass metallic sign. And one day we were like, we thought it'd be funny to go steal that shit. So me and my homies got baked or whatever, went out there and we stole the sign. At, you want us night. to censor this out, bro? I mean, you just admitted. No, 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 we're good. I, you, you'll, you'll hear why I told Damn, you the story. Daniel. But, <laughs> so we, we, we took the sign and then we put it on my coffee table and it was, we thought it was cool. And I still got pictures of it, but uh, I started to have like these weird, I don't know, like energy attacks, I guess you can call them just these weird paranoia. That time in my life was really weird too, as far as like uh, paranormal stuff. So one day I was like, man, fuck this sign. So I just like took it back and just left it behind the lodge. <laughs> what? Do you think that they were like, you think they were like trying to psychically get at you or maybe not you particularly because they didn't know who it was, but you think they were trying to like send out some kind of disturbances towards you for taking the sign? Jeez. I've heard, I've heard similar stuff happen. There's like a metaphysical store that uh, is not too far from me and a buddy's older brother allegedly like stole some stuff from there and the woman who owned the place cursed him and hand to god that dude's not alive anymore i'm not what? i'm not making a joke but uh I, I, there's all other causes that led to that but you know rest what in peace Chris. i love you brother what bro what are you talking about man <laughs> is that a sound clip because that kind of sounds like you won you gotta you gotta find a different sound clip that might get confusing for the guests that's that one basketball player i forgot uh what's his name the the dinosaur looking guy no 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 not okay. the dinosaur looking guy Any, anyways that's a meme but yeah that, that's Come fucking on, man <laughs> that's fucking eddie wild is, eddie is uh I, edward eddie is that real at all or is it all pseudonym oh no my, my real name is eduardo damn yeah, yeah. All right, so ba- you just barely made it on the show then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have this thing where uh, our guests need to have fake names, even though the three of us use our real names, unfortunately. <laughs> but our guest uh, needs a fake name, so that's why Esoteric Eddie fit the yeah, narrative. Barely. Okay. Okay. No, that's yeah. not the only reason we picked you, Eddie, okay? One, <laughs> geez, you can't lead with that. No, I just wanted to make sure there was some super going on, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. You, you better put those hater blockers back down, Juan. Look at that. I can't see. I can't see like you a, when I do, bro. That's why I gotta. You look like an umpire, like like an umpire at a baseball game right now with those on. Oh, I'm jealous, bro. I think we all need glasses. I think that should be a rule too. Sorry, Eddie. I mean, you've got if you got a pair close by, you know what I mean. I do, I do. I got I I, I got a uh, collection of shades, dude. I like to go to like different gas stations and just like take a pair off of the rack, dude. It's uh, a weird little weird collection thing. I got you steal those on. too, Eddie? Tell nah, my, <laughs> my stealing days are over, dude. I did have a bad habit that. when I was a kid. But Eddie, no, have man. you ever been up to Sandy, uh, San Francisco at all? Yeah, dude. I was like uh, I was mentioning before we started the podcast. Yeah. I lived up in Northern California for an entire year from uh, in 2021, and um, I'm a plumber, so I was I plumbed from Oakland all the way up to uh, Sea Ranch. So oh, the Sea Ranch, dude. The Sea yeah. Ranch is so sick, dude. You've been to Mount yeah, Shasta too, place. right, Eddie? I have. I have. It's a very cool, trippy little town. Yeah, and that yep, mountain, yeah. black helicopters. I seen black I seen black helicopters when I was driving down the uh freeway one time. Military all blacked out. What? No bullshit. Yep. And they, they say that they go into Shasta and Shasta's like on some weird shit. The reason why I was gonna ask yeah. you about San Francisco is though, there's a super cool Masonic building in the top of one of those hills. It's got these yeah. all these huge Egyptian hieroglyphs etched into the wall, dude. It's so cool. Yeah, you're but talking I, about the one that looks like very like like government building, like a huge one. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I got a picture of it. I used to pass by it every morning on my way to work. That's a super weird. The reason I was bringing up San Francisco is because I always got like really weird vibes there for some reason. Like it's super esoteric place, for lack of a better description. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah, there's energy there for sure. A right? lot of history and stuff going on. Yeah, bro. A lot of history no. with those those uh the you know the uh all those buildings and all those uh fraternal organizations and stuff, but um there's also a lot of talk like within uh like architecture, like that city being built out in like an esoteric way, like you know, like the mm-hmm. DC structure mm-hmm. or whatnot. Right. I was just yeah. having a conversation about that. That's why I was late. I, I had Peter Shampoo back on the podcast and we Funny enough, talked a lot about that. But Eddie, you know, you mentioned the Eastern Lodge. Um, yeah. Have you gone out out and found any other strange sort of uh, things or attractions in San Diego? Anything of esoteric significance? I know there's like the JPL Labs was out there uh, at some point in time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not too familiar with that, but um, there was another instance I had with the Yellow Deli people. What? Are you familiar? I just saw this. Oh. It's like this weird cult thing. <laughs> well, is that by the lodge that you got you initiated at, bro? <laughs> what number lodge are you from, bro? Dude, I'm from the Yellow Deli, dude. <laughs> nah. It's, so the Yellow <laughs> Deli is a restaurant. It's wild. And um, they're originally from San Diego. They have two of them out here. But they're run by like these, like, as you can say, Amish Christians. So it's cult-esque. Like, you have to give up all your shit. Like, you have to give up your life and your savings and everything. And then to join the church and then you work on the farm, there's a big farm, not, not too far from here. And then, you know, you, you, you work for the church and, and all the employees at the, at the restaurant are a part of this, this uh, Amish Christian community. They don't make money while they're working at the restaurant. That's a part of being a part of the church. You have to go work at the restaurant. And, and um, yeah, they get, they always get accused of being like this cold. It's a very weird vibe, super good food. <laughs> Um, but they're like messianic Christians. So like in their bathroom, 
of like of like uh the world partying and going one way and then like this like very like narrow path going up this mountain a couple like spread out amish christians going that way so they're like messianic they believe in the end times and that the world is damned and all this stuff and they got cool literature too i got some of their newspapers where they talk about like the rocks all the <clears throat> club 27 rock stars selling their souls and stuff but uh I have, a, I have a tattoo on my arm that's in Hebrew, right? It says Elohim. Gets me into trouble all the time because people think that, one, I'm either Arab or Middle Eastern, which I'm not, um, or they think I'm Jewish or something. But it's like, nah, dude, I'm just a weird Mexican, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I'm eating at the Yellow Deli, and one of the elders there sees my tattoo, and he starts speaking in Hebrew, and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm like, no, I don't know anything. And, and he's like, well, but we start talking about philosophy and religion and stuff. And then he's like, dude, I'd love to have you come have dinner with us. So I guess every Friday they invite, you know, people who are interested to go have dinner at their ranch where they cook you uh, fresh, fresh uh, caught salmon from their team and stuff. So me and my boy decided to go out one night. and dude, They were trying to recruit your ass, boy. Either that or sacrifice us, man. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, so long story short, me and my homie go out there and, and we out of all the days, we decide to wear all black and, and we're like having a hard time find the place on the ranch. And then we stumble upon like their Airbnb and like we're like knocking on windows, wearing all black. And there's some kids in there in the, air, in the Airbnb. So we're like looking like serial killers now. And we're like, dude, we're just trying to find the, the you know, the, the, the main farm. Eventually we find it. And then this weird like sketch out dude comes out like, you know, like, what are you guys doing in the dark? Why are you knocking on our windows and stuff? We're trying to find the entrance. Like we were invited to have dinner here. And then of course the guy who invited me wasn't even there. So it's just weird off the jump. So uh, we end up sitting, being sat right next to what we didn't know at the time, like the leaders of the church across from us, just kind of talking to us, kind of like trying to get our intention. And then they purposefully sit like this very investigative dude right next to me, who um, you could say was like, you know, in, in the prime sense of the the literal word, satanic, right? Like he was the adversary, like the he was per- purposely put there to like investigate me. And my homies like next to me, like just eating salmon high as hell, like not even like, like just oblivious to the whole situation. I'm like trying to eat my food while this dude's like just <laughs> investigating me. Like, so what do you think about God? Like, what are your beliefs on God? And like, I'm baked. So I decide, you know what? Like, let me blow some minds. So I'm like, trying to go out into like the Anunnaki and ancient alien stuff. And like instantly this guy just gets like filled with like anger and sadness and like to the point of like tearing up and like holding his steak knife and like looking at me saying, like, I remember vividly he looked at me and he said, he said, those words fill me with anger. (laughs) (laughs) And oh my God. Yeah. And, and he's just saying like, you really believe that? He's like, you believe my father, the creator of all, <laughs> is just an alien? He was the biggest one of them all, bro. <laughs> he was the right? OG I'm, alien, I'm, bro. Yeah, I'm like, the, I mean, he was the OG alien, if that helps. Yeah. But uh, at that what moment. A selfish I, bastard. He thought he was, you know what I mean? Don't you think, like, some people are selfish? Like, if listen, there's, there's gots to be aliens, right? And if so, there's gots to be a higher power above them, too, right? There's just gots to be up and up and up and up it goes up and up you have to imagine so that's selfish yeah, to think but, that way right like a little I bit don't know. i don't know it sounds to me like whatever aliens is ahead of his cult is doing a good job of keeping him in oh, line that's, that's the true. objective that's right you're you know right. you're right like but I, I i don't know i 
as somebody who doesn't really buy into that theory, I could see why that's insulting to suggest that like, you know, uh, some foreign body came out of nowhere and created us like we're this insignificant. I think that's part of the lie. I think that's part of the deception is to get us to all feel like we're small and insignificant. I'm sure you would agree with me, Eddie. I think you were just put in an odd position and, and wanted to make some interesting table conversation <laughs> without going too deep. Cause like you said, the guy who invited you, who you initially connected with didn't <laughs> even fucking show up. Yeah. So you know, that sounds like yeah. a wild occurrence, but do you actually, <laughs> what are your thoughts on like ancient alien theory? Do you think yeah. that, that, cause I mean the airplay on history channel alone should make anyone suspicious. I mean, it's basically like half of their network. Yeah. And uh, it, it, actually my thought process when he asked me was like, let me just tell the truth. Let me be genuine about what I believe. Right. And like, that's where I always get caught in like, do you tell the truth or do you kind of like, you know, just tell people what they want to hear sometimes, you know, because like mm. being righteous is, is a is a hard thing to do in a world full of lies, you know. So Oof. being genuine and standing in your truth can be damaging to other people. So sometimes like when I'm talking to people out in the streets, I don't tell them everything I know or think because it might actually save them from detriment. Save but, uh, you from risk. Sometimes you piss somebody off. I mean, it sounds like the guy gripped his steak knife pretty. Listen, uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. He was, he was vividly like angry and like sad, like like tearing up. So we got saved by the bell. Like somebody told them to go do some dishes or something, and and then I was like, "Yo, let's get the hell out of here." So we like just bolted out of there. But um, why'd you show beliefs, up, bro? Like how? Why? Why would you go there? Like, it's so sketch. Why not? Dude, Curiosity killed into. the cat. <laughs> yeah. I was with my homie. Into that. Yeah, I was with my homie who's a videographer. So like like uh I was always trying to get him like to, to film stuff. He was like, dude, get your camera out, let's film this experience. But uh he's always like you know, he just didn't want to at the moment. But my actual beliefs, man, it's like I first and foremost, I believe in in the source, I believe in the creator, I believe that there is an ultimate benevolent conscious force that has our best interests at heart. It's just up to us to connect to that and be conscious of it and be in tune with that. And more so, you know, do our work here on this earth as, as people to uh, leave this place better off than we found it. But as far as like the aliens and all that stuff, um, like I grew up in a Christian family, right? Christian and Catholic. And I was pretty indoctrinated in that institution growing up. But once I stumbled upon Zechariah Sitchin's work, it like blew my mind because uh, it's just how he goes deeper into the Bible, you know, and Sitchin was, he wasn't trying to tear down the Bible. If anything, he was trying to bring like ultimate veracity to it, you know, by, by detailing all this stuff about um, the Hebrew Bible and our ancient past with gods and whatnot. And just as he stated, you know, even the Anunnaki, didn't believe that they were the end all be all creators. They simply, if we take the story for true, they simply designed a certain line of hum humanoids, which is the homo sapien race. Uh, but even they spoke in their writings of a creator of all. So I don't view the Anunnaki as the end all be all creators. I think that there's definitely some evidence for the homo sapien race being genetically designed, but absolutely. Um, yeah. That's kind of, oh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, man. I, I see that completely. And it is interesting, like how people will 
hear one thing and then conflate what you're saying to this thing that they object to, you know, like you don't, you don't necessarily object to them, but because you triggered their, you know, sort of righteousness, you know, uh, maybe like a, a lesser manifestation of rice, righteousness, um, they, they kind of just cannot engage in any open discussion after that point. You know, it's like you, you suggest that, Anunnaki were a link in the chain somehow they're like oh that no that that's not my father I'm not you know it's the same thing with evolution like sometimes I use the word evolution in a podcast and I'm like oh god are the Christian listeners gonna get pissed at me because I said the word evolution and dude I, we, our last video that we just put out uh somebody commented and they were like they said you guys oh. use God's name in vain. You're going to be in huge trouble. They said I, they, they misspelled huge, but they said, we're going to be in huge trouble guys. I hit that Illuminati confirm sound button. Juan. we're, we're <laughs> fucked. Illuminati confirmed. What the oh, fuck no. God damn. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. <laughs> no, but 100% oh, no. people's beliefs, right? They, they form, I I 100% percent believe in emanationism where you radiate your reality and some people radiate their own realities within themselves and they live in these little bubbles and when you pierce that bubble if you will right it, like how you said you watch the the fluoride stare in their face where they're like what do you mean the Anunnaki what is the Anunnaki it's like well it's an ancient alien race and I mean if you're really that shaky in your beliefs then are they really your beliefs because if you wholeheartedly believe that something is 100% to be true, no matter what I say will, you know, shake you from your foundation type of thing. So again, but you have people who are living a facade due to the indoctrination of society today where they get pushed these beliefs upon themselves and they have no other way of getting out of it, right? Because of cultural influences, societal influences, uh, familial influences, whatever it may be. And they're living that reality only because it was presented to them when they were born. You know what I mean? So we're all living our own simulations in, in, in some sort of way at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, I try to like bring universal uh, truth if I can, you know, because like the endless debates are just frustrating. You know, like I was watching a video the other day of like uh, Satanists debating Christians and then you can kind of just see both of them just fumbling over what they believe. And it's like, man, you guys don't even know what you believe. You don't even know the history of, of what it is you believe. So when I, when I do my work, I try to just come um, unbiased, neutral, and just be like, yo, these are the facts. And from there, we can move forward as a, as a civilization because that's my goal, really. My ultimate goal my, my you know, is to... Uh, get us so that we can just stop arguing about certain things like, and then, you know, establish the facts about those things and then just move forward as a planet. And, and you, you said facts, well Eddie, said. right? You have history where you're, you're in your book. I read your book, the Lucifer mystery unveiled or was it revealed, right? Revealed. Revealed. Yeah. My bad, bro. I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's all good. The, the, where you present the facts from a historical point of view of who Lucifer was and you kind of shine light on it. But then even that history, some people don't take it for a fact because, oh no, it goes, you know, Lucifer is actually, again, back to the religion aspect of being this indoctrination that they're in, the brainwashing, and they won't believe it, even if you present it to them from a scholarly point of view, from a multidisciplinary point of view, 
they still don't take that shit because the bro, it's ingrained in their fucking DNA. You know, as deep as it'll go. Yo, Chris. Yeah, Chris, so, uh, are you are you super excited right now? Because Eddie, you don't know this, but Chris was telling me and Juan, he's like, dude, we need a historian on the podcast. Okay, <laughs> we need someone to go into the history. All right, and I would love to know where Lucifer, where Lucifer begins. Like, what were you able to trace back, like the first iteration of Lucifer in history? Yes, uh, with what was available to me. But yes, so it all starts with uh, the famous Isaiah fourteen twelve verse, which uh, we would know it as, "O Lucifer, how art thou fallen." Right, the famous verse in Isaiah fourteen twelve. Now that was presented to the Western world through the King James version of the Bible, the English version. And in that version, it's only used once, and it's used as an uppercase pronoun, right? Name. But it was translated from the Latin, which was translated from the Greek, which was translated from the original Hebrew. <laughs> and uh if we follow that translation, we can see how we came to this conundrum of having an uppercase name. It never started off as that, per se. Um, do you guys want me to get into it? I just know I've, I know I've said this like on. I don't know why. I don't stuff, know why Juan laughed, but I, I mean, <laughs> no, because Chris and I are on the edge of our seats. Because I had a PhD on the podcast one time. Shout out to Dr. Joseph B. Lumpkin, where. He t- where <laughs> what Joseph Blumpkin Lumpkin B Lumpkin bro you bro listen this guy's legit we should probably have him on I don't know I, if I'm he'll sorry be but Chris, this dude's legit yeah, he's a not p- after he hears this <laughs> he's Chris a Blumpkin you know what Mark I'm tired of your shit bro I quit the show listen the the he is has a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> I never know if Juan's joking when he's not joking. Bro, but let me finish. He has a PhD in church history, and I was going back at it with him about right demons and all this stuff like that because he's written an encyclopedia on rejected scripture. Okay, this guy's legit. So okay. he was going on about it. Listen, what about all these different translations? Because the original translation was, and I said, I think I said Greek. He goes, no, it was actually dot dot. I go, you're just proving my point that they translate one translation to another one, to another one, to another one. And it makes me laugh because people take this shit seriously. You know what I mean? Like they, they take yeah. it for verbatim and it's like, wait, it's not even, bro, it's not even supposed to. I'm sorry, Eddie. These gentlemen here oh, yeah. are so unprofessional. This is how you treat a guest, bro. <laughs> bro. No, you're good, man. <laughs> I'm. I am not easily offended. Ouch! You know? Bro, those are our feelings, Juan. Hey, hey, he's not <laughs> Joseph B. Lumpkin. Sorry, Joseph, <laughs> if you're listening. Eddie's got a cool last name. That's why he's on the show. He won't tell us that it's so cool. <laughs> it's all love. It's all love. But uh, yeah, I just don't know if you guys wanted me to get into it because I know I, I mentioned already on your podcast and. No, you're That's good, right. I'm sure, I'm sure the one-on-one listeners would like to hear it again. I mean, it's good sure. stuff. Yeah, okay. So uh, where we would see Lucifer in, in the Hebrew Old Testament, we would see Hillel ben Shahar. And Hillel is a name, uh, which means bright or shiny. It's like naming a person bright. So uh, what was being said was Hillel, son of Shahar. And that's where we get the Lucifer, son of the morning, because Shahar was an old world word for, for the dawn, right? Um, and then that's that the, was... Uh, Jay-Z song. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed it. 
But that Jay Z song on the Black album where Kanye uh, samples that beat from Lee Perry, Lucifer, Son of the Morning, that whole shit. That's 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 what that is. Whoa. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, it's a dope uh, old school reggae song mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Yep Lee, Lee Scratch Perry, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Right. But um, yeah, so it goes from Halel Ben Shahar to the proper translation in the Greek to phosphorus, which is could be fire, can be light. And in, in the Greek, it's used as a lowercase, and it's also used multiple times throughout the, the Old Testament. And then from there, we went to the Latin, which was, and there it was properly translated as Lucifer, because that is a Latin word, but it was used as a lowercase word. Excuse me. And in the in the Latin, it was used multiple times as a lowercase word. And and the Latin word Lucifer comprised is comprised of two root words, lus and fere, which means light and to bring or to hold. That's where the occult got the um, light bringer or light bearer idea of Lucifer. And then we went from the Latin to the English, and that's where things got messed up. Um, we lost the lowercase, we lost the multiple usages, and we just decided to throw it in one verse, which is the Isaiah 14, 12 verse, and use it as an uppercase. Now, there's a couple other things that we have to take into consideration. Number one is Isaiah, the prophet, uh, was an educated and intellectual scribe. And because, and he wrote his, uh, he wrote this polemical, you know, uh, condemnation or prophecy um, right around the time the Babylonians were descending on, on Judea, which is around 600 BC. So what he was writing was actually a prophecy of the downfall of the Babylonians. So all this Lucifer talk or Halel ben Shahar talk was being directed towards the Babylonian kings. And he decided to, to use the terminology Halel ben Shahar because he was referring to two main things. One, an old Canaanite tale uh, and, and Venus. Now, in the old Canaanite tale, um, known as the Baal cycle text, which we uncovered in the 1930s, we see that there was an old Canaanite deity by the name of Athtar, um, who, who was also known as Hillel. And that he was this, just this lower ranking deity who was trying to step up to the throne, but realized he wasn't, you know, uh, fit to rule. So he was asked to step down or whatever, just this random little story. But also Hillel, um, Athtar, Phosphorus, and the, and the Latin Lucifer are all words that can represent Venus. And, and Athtar specifically goes back to Astarte or, or Ishtar and all the way back to the Sumerian Inanna. And all these goddesses are, are also represented by Venus. And Venus in its celestial mythology um, is the brightest celestial object in the sky in the morning that preceding the sun. So what Isaiah was, was doing was using this metaphorical language about Athtar or Hallel you know, with this old Canaanite deity that wasn't fit to rule, and also Venus, which is the brightest object in the sky preceding the sun, right? Hillel ben Shahar, son of the morning, and saying that the Babylonian kings, they might think of themselves as great or significant, but they will soon be overshadowed by the sun or God. Hail Bob. And for you fucks laughing, this is, this is the encyclopedia of Mr. Joseph B. Lumpkin, and this dude's Hello. legit, bro. I have all the rejected scriptures of the Bible. We got the Book of Enoch in here, which we can get into, Eddie. We got all the good yeah, shit. All right. So, Eddie, good. nobody has to. At some at some level, is this? I feel like honestly, like all this esoteric shit, like cave people, whatever. But like at some point, it just feels like the gods are obviously the planets because they're like untouchable. They're always there. They're omnipresent they're like 
I don't know, there's cycles that happen. You can kind of like put them on to uh, lay them over other cycles and you kind of get like a, a picture of where you are at in the universe with that kind of knowledge. And it just feels like that's the, <clears throat> long story short, that's like where we all come from, sitting around a fire, like telling stories, looking at the gods, talking about them. Oh, this one's got this power and this one can do it. And then you're telling us that Satan might actually just be Venus. It's made up, bro. It's and then Kronos Cro- is just Saturn. Mm-hmm. And it's just like at some level, like I know we got all the books and I know we got all the disciples and that just somehow coordinates with the planet, the number of planets. It's just, mm-hmm. it all just seems like at some level, maybe this is just like campfire stories about that have been so many layered upon layered upon layered upon. And now we have like culture that's like based on it. And like, it's just so fucking bizarre if you zoom out. Yeah, you have Jesus yeah. and the 12 disciples. Jesus becomes the son. That's why he's the son of God. Totally. And then the 12 disciples become the 12 zodiac signs. I mean, that's that's totally. what it's all about. Totally. But some people's, their reality is ingrained in this stuff, bro. People die and, and get killed because of it. They will literally die for their faith. This is why you have, again, out in the Middle East, not to point anybody out, but these people literally die for their religion, thinking that they're promised something else. Nietzsche said, be weary, weary of those, I'm paraphrasing, be weary of those who offer you otherworldly uh, goods or something like that. You know, like he understood that in this reality that we're in uh, is the only one that can be experienced. So don't focus on what Plato was talking about, about, you know, an, an examander. He talked about the reflection of this universe. Is it a reflection of a, of a more divine universe? Because they were demeaning this reality, this is what religions do. They demean this reality and prepare you for one that is above this one. Like, what does that even mean? We're only experiencing this one right now. So focus on this life right now. But you have the Egyptians who were focused on the afterlife, prepping their bodies for what? So they could come back later and, and take their bodies back? Like, you know, what's up? You know what I mean? Dude, that's interesting, though, yeah. one, because the Egyptians is specifically, like, I'm into, like, I think you can probably agree with me here, Eddie, like, as far as, like, graphic design is concerned like i really stumbled onto all the esoteric when like 14 maybe years ago something like that because of graphic design and specifically looking at hieroglyphics because they're it's a language of logos and it's like telling you things in logo shorthand it's really super interesting you find that hieroglyphs you find that like you know certain parts of the world right and it's like why is there certain similarities between them why what's the what's the uh, the through line story wise and they always seem to kind of come back to these things which are like the planets and then some sort of like dogma religion that's built around basically those things and then it's all seems to be same bullshit control systems at some level to make you just not appreciate life and then the interesting thing about that is if you're talking about uh, I forgot the term you used, but it, it, it's basically the same as the logo of the sun. And it's the way the Egyptians did it was the sun rays. Each were given out unks, which is life, the mm-hmm. symbol of life to people. That's uh, emanationism, right? It's like, that's yeah. what it is for yep. Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. That's what it appears to be in a logo form to me. And I've never seen anybody. And I think as a designer, you can appreciate, I don't think we ever seen anybody do it that well before or since. No. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, people like religion today is viewed as like 
this this fraternity or this community that you can join all right i mean that's what it is now it's just an institution religion is just now an institution but when you take any religion you know whether it's the egyptian religions back to its source it all always started with an event and i think those events those source events are what we should be studying not necessarily all the stuff that came later like for example the event in islam was that allah descended upon muhammad and then like gave him all the stuff and, and dictated to him you know what you should do and then uh you know with the egyptians the source material the source work for them was the was the uh the pyramid text and it really wasn't about like this like religious ceremonial stuff it was about preparing for the transition over to to uh, the afterlife and some interesting stuff about it like you're going to encounter entities and this this and that so right. that could be yeah, so that could be getting into like the Akashic records or, or just the, the, the different dimensions that may exist, you know. And so for me, it's like today religion is viewed as just as institution and people view it that way. Like, like, oh, you're a Christian because you follow so, so and so traditions. But it's like Christianity never started off as that. Christianity, the event that started that set Christ, the Christ, the event that started Christianity was was Jesus. Right. So when you study the events, the source that that sparked these religions i think that's what we should be studying if we're going to study anything at all yo jesus seems to me just like upgraded code <laughs> he was neo in the matrix bro he was able to step oh. outside the fabric of time and space that's why he was able to walk on water and perform miracles and do all this crazy stuff because again he was some sort of if you follow gnostic cosmology christ it's only a, a, a title and the Christ consciousness possessed yeah. Jesus when he was baptized. That's why the Mandaeans follow the baptism to a T and they worship John the Baptist because they thought he was the actual Messiah. So you have these Messiah figures all throughout all of history. You have Buddha, Krishna, Vishnu, El, whoever you want to call him, Quetzalcoatl, anyone, take your pick. They were, I believe they were all the same people who were able to tap into what Eddie was talking about, the Sakashic records, if you will. That's the original, the OG cloud, Moses, was able to tap into and download some esoteric occult information from the OG cloud, which is God, the center. Because if you look at the Greeks, the Greeks believed in a source. I'm on the same boat as you, Eddie. I believe in the one that emanates reality outwards, right? He, and you have in Hindu cosmology where their trinity, which is where the Christian trinity came from, their their trinity is the the destroyer, the creator, and the preserver. Right. And that's where Christianity took their trinity from. It was first in the Hindu cosmology. And but again, you have a chimeric religion formed on what Eddie's talking about. It's a brokered experience. It is. Hey, you can't achieve divinity unless it's through us. You pay us that, enough that, money bro, and you that's, might, that's, we might save you a seat. Bro, that's cherry picking. That's cherry picking one. One hundred percent, bro. The Council of Nicaea yeah. did that shit, bro. The they said out of here, nerds. That's <laughs> yeah. Sorry, dude. Seriously. One time, one time, I'm sitting there. My parents are both Catholic, and I'm sitting there around the Christmas Christmas table, right? Christmas dinner table, <clears throat> and the local uh, church uh, main guy, priest, whatever the fuck, came, and dude, he started digging into me. He started giving me a hard time at the fucking Did table. He touch so you, Chris? I, dude, I went over the top. I started yelling at this motherfucker, dude. Like, I don't play that shit, dude. Listen, you guys have basically ruined the world time and time again. And now you're going to come do it at our dinner table and get fucked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Fuck out of here. Nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Get straight the fuck up. Out of here. 
that's kind of, that's kind of the way I view it too, man. It's like this, just posers, bro. It's just posers on posers, you know? Oh like, yeah, dude. You know, like, like I was, like I said earlier, I was watching this debate with the Satanist and the Christian and it's just like, dude, they both are just like, like posers to me. Stupid. Like, you just, you're just wearing this, these thought beliefs, you know, as like your personality when they're not, that's what I'm saying. It's like people take religion as if it's supposed to be like a personality. It's like, dude, religion. Well, it's an egregore, Eddie. It, it's well, an it's, egregore because it's, it's a thought form that became something and it, it, it was a living, living, breathing thing. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all it is. Well, what I'm trying to like convey, and it's something that I've been trying to put in like a philosophical way, but it's it's just something that I've realized. It's like people take religions or beliefs and try to wear them as personalities or something. I'm a Christian, but it's like, dude, Christianity or any religion started from an event, from an event between a very specific person and another person, right? So it's like, uh, like for example, um. Yeah, like the like the, the ancient Americas, right? Mm-hmm. All these civilizations and, and religious customs were, were started and revol- that revolve around the event of Quetzalcoatl coming and teaching the original indigenous people how to do things and then piecing out. <laughs> it's like that's their origin event. Mm-hmm. But it's like we take that event and then we create. We're so. Uh, moved by it right we're so moved by it like damn that was like epic and then we start we just create these like monolithic institutions that revolve it and it's like we need to deconstruct that institution and just go back to the event and then yeah be respectful about it like damn that was a dope event bro what are they saying bro what the fuck are they saying oh word jesus said love each other moving on next fucking it yeah, but but Chris, it's what we talked about earlier this week. It's so crazy to me. Though, where it's like, you're gonna get all this funny outfit, you're gonna take all these people money, and you're gonna make them feel a type of way, and then they're gonna come in, especially with like Latin community, and you know what I mean, like with the, yeah. the Catholicism and you get babies, and now you can't have babies, and you got to do this, and you can't do that, and and the mind fuckery, you gotta say, you know what I mean, like that is fucked up generations of people <laughs> and from oh, not, yeah. from, from just. Be as good of a person as all as as often as you can. But, yeah, and but here's the uh, thing, dude. I think you know, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think not to so much that they're wrong. Maybe they're misled, but you have to understand that everybody is a collective. What me and you talked about earlier this week, where everyone has a bit bits and pieces of the truth, but we're yeah. all the puzzle isn't in the right position. So just because they're wrong about it doesn't mean that. They, they have bits and pieces of it that are right. And we're all that's what we're all trying to figure out with this esoteric and occult shit. Okay. We're trying to figure out the bigger picture of what it truly was. Does it truly lead back to the Anunnaki? Or does it go, right? right? The, the, the Epic of Gilgamesh is the oldest literature that we have. What happened before that? You know, what were people doing? You know, you have Plato, the uh, Agrafa Dogmata, these unwritten doctrines which existed all throughout history. What about the stuff that they didn't write down? That they didn't put down in, in the Emerald Tablets? That they didn't put down in the... Uh, what are the tablets with the Anunnaki that Sitchin talked about? Uh, was it the, the not the Illuminish, the the other one? You know, Sumerian King List. The Sumerian King List, but there was another one. There was some tablets that he translated. Not the tablets with emerald tablets. Was it not the emerald tablets? No, that's he like spoke about a bunch, whatever. bro. Oh well, um, anyways, you know what I mean. But look, Eddie, that's, that's a, go ahead, Eddie. Can you give us like a, not like a synopsis, but can you give us like some of your like kind of theories and like quick form like you know like where you fall on a bunch of different 
topics, I guess. Because, you know, sometimes yeah. I want to talk to a guy like yourself for, like, fucking hours. Be like, pick your brain on – I hate that saying, but it's like, pick your brain on yeah. all these different – can you give us, like, oh, yeah, like, no, nah, it's a Saturn moon matrix. David Icke was right the whole time. Or flat Earth, like, listen, you guys are fucking up. It's really a flat Earth. Like, just come on over this side. Can you hit us yeah. with, like, a couple pretty quick ones? Yeah, I'm down for that. Before we do, I just wanted to bring something up real quick that kind of, like uh, – better uh, explains what I was trying to say a moment ago, right? So like the Emerald Tablets, for example, it's another case where where something w- was started, an event happened, and then after that, an institution was formed. And then sure. the institution takes over the original uh, motive of the event, you know? This for, class. Example, yeah, for, yeah, pretty much. For example, um, like the Emerald Tablets is a huge topic in our community, right? In the truth of community, conspiratorial community, People make you know, movies, documentaries, books on it. But I never once hear or very seldom hear people talk about how we were actually presented this knowledge. And um, I've done a small video on it on my Instagram, but but I might do a longer video. But there's a, one, there's a dude from America in the 1930s, 40s um, who started uh, a spiritual uh, fraternity by the name of the Brotherhood of the White Temple and uh, Dr. M. Doriel. And he w- he claims to have been in contact with monks in in uh, Shambhala over in Tibet, and he goes over there, and he was the one who was commissioned by these monks to translate the Emerald Tablets into English, and he only um, gave permission to one other person to translate them into into Spanish, and he was like a, a Mexican um, spiritualist, and then um, so the Emerald Tablets that we all know and love, right? The ones on Amazon, YouTube, wherever wherever you get them from, came from this dude, Doctor M. Doria, who who was cool and interesting, who, who was a cool and interesting spiritualist, occultist from America, who claims to have uh, been given the task from some monks in Tibet to translate them. Right. So it's like that's the initial event. And then here we are, like in the truth community, like holding up the Emerald Tablets as actual, like they were written by Thoth, the Atlantean and shit, <laughs> which I don't doubt. I love the Emerald Tablets, you know, powerful stuff. But it's like we're just missing the, the source. Dude, we we're we're playing a game of telephone and we're arguing over the Kim, King James version. It's like you guys don't understand. It was fucking translated seven times before it got translated into the King James version. Exactly. We're arguing over semantics of semantics of semantics. It's utterly fucking retarded, yeah. for lack of a better word. For real, dude. Uh, but yeah, we but it's, get into it's the... frustrating. It's frustrating sometimes. It's like, dude, like I've listened to all these videos. Oh, I was in, brought up by aliens and this, that, and it's like. At some point, you're like, yo, you got a Polaroid? I mean, like... Yeah, right? A thing under your skin? Like, Dude. Yeah, but Chris, Chris, and this is an entirely different conversation, but Chris, how do you know that, like, the alien beings don't, like, know psychically that they can just, like, sense the camera and avoid those people who have cameras? Yeah. I mean... You always hear about people getting abducted out in the middle of nowhere, you know. Tripoli just said it on the latest episode. He's like, how come it's always people out on in the sticks that are getting this interdimensional butt play or something oh, or yeah. like that, <laughs> oh. you know. And uh, and he's got a point, you know. It's just, it, I don't think that the aliens are going to go and abduct a camera crew, you know. It just I doesn't. You. I was just talking yeah. about this with my buddy the other day. It's like, it totally makes sense. It's like. Clearly, if there's aliens, they don't want to be discovered because if they did, they'd just pull up and be like, what's up? Bitch. I just think, what's up, bitch? I think it's, it's a different, I think it's entirely right? different than that. I think it's like, 
the only people with the intention and frequency that is sort of in line with their intentions can even see them. So just by holding a camera, you're, you're carrying with you an intention that's outside of their realm of possibilities. So you cannot interact with them. So you're almost like, like denying yourself an experience when you go and try to like capture Bigfoot on film or capture an alien on film. I think there's a certain psychic frequency that's, in play somehow and it fits in totally with the esoteric stuff because that's what these cults uh you know for lack of a better term your secret societies they use these techniques to you know dabble in the psychic realm i mean this guy who is an occultist i assume he either met with a group of tibetan monks actually or you know because there are a lot of people at that time period who were using that line to you know make people interested in what they had to say maybe they channeled it, you know, which I think that's a whole entirely different argument. Maybe we ought to have a channeler on the show at some point in time. But I think that when we, we talk about channeled text, it's like, you know, what, what is consciousness in itself? Because like if somebody could channel something from the Akasha record, how is that any different than like Michelangelo, you know, inventing what he invented, like, and, and, you know, all these are Da Vinci, you know what I mean? Like all these other like creative geniuses, Tesla, Einstein, you know, they have talk about these thought experiments that they do and these things sort of ideas, grand ideas come to them seemingly from nowhere. So maybe, you know, works of great literary, you know, potential could work uh, along the same lines doesn't mean it's altogether fictional. You know, I think that's the trouble we have with our society. We're so logical that we want to know the distinction. Like, is this nonfiction or fiction, you know, and channeling blurs the lines in a really interesting way that makes you question consciousness, you know? Finish him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was yeah. a lot, buddy. No, that was, that was epic. That was I, beautiful, I, bro. I resonate with that. And I just want to say, I don't know, but I back up Dr. M. Doria, like, all right, dog, I believe you, like, for real, you know? But um, just to put simply, just to end that whole thought form that i was been trying to say is, I think that we need to stop viewing esoteric knowledge that was passed down to us uh, as belief systems to indoctrinate our lives and view the knowledge um, as just that knowledge that we, we are supposed to apply to our lives instead of belief systems to indoctrinate our lives. Eddie, so so wait a minute. So we shouldn't listen to the esoteric or occult shit? Like it's just is is made up. It's just parables, aphorisms. We gotta look at it Yo, case Eddie, by case. Eddie, if you don't have a podcast already, you should come up with you should do a podcast and the name is Esoteric Applied, because that's dope. I love the way you said that, you know, because I think there's so much truth in that, like yeah. taking uh, these esoteric practices and and exposing them for what they are because the more you learn about them the more you see like they're kind of out there in the open you know it's just people only see one side of it uh they've been taught to see only the exoteric side of things you know? yeah yeah i don't know people a couple people have asked me about starting a podcast man but now that i've been a guest on like several i'm like man it looks like a lot of work i'd rather just be the guest <laughs> You know, I hear that. <laughs> what's, the, uh, yeah. what's the applied knowledge? What's the takeaway? So you learn all this kind of stuff, right, over the course of, let's say, a decade, yeah. right? And you're looking at, man, you're looking at Anunnaki. You're looking at Hollow Moon. Oh, you're boy. looking at 
you're looking at butt plug theory, you're looking at <laughs> mammalians, you're looking at marsupial theory, you're looking at, you know, lizards. I heard that earlier. I don't know. I, I think there's something to that. I don't know if Juan what? was like pulling our leg or something, but Eddie, have you ever heard of marsupial theory? Fuck you guys. No, maybe, maybe in a different uh, name, but no, not that name. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we stumbled upon Juan sent us this weird posts about marsupial theory and, uh, yeah, some people think that it's actually marsupials that run the world and not reptilians, but oh gosh, the, you know the speculation on speculation on speculation continues. It never ends. Anyway, point being, Eduardo, uh, the uh, the uh, <laughs> no esoteric Eddie, bro. What's wrong with you, dog? You're looking at, you're looking at NASA. You're looking at uh, interdimensional. You're looking at the subgenius. You're looking at all this cool shit. You know. SR fucking Bob whatever laser and you know you're looking at all this cool <laughs> shit it's all cool it's all super fun you know it really is it's like super like oh wow I got the uh, inside scoop I heard about this uh, aliens live underwater and you don't know about it whatever right so boom so you've learned all this stuff including ancient you know I'm sure Kabbalah Shout out, motherfucker. <laughs> you listen to all this shit, right? Oh, like, wow, a lot yeah. of Sonic shit, you know, a lot. Of, and, and a lot of it's just in the pop sh- mainstream culture. What are your takeaways, man? What do you think? Like, how do you apply this information? What does it do to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, before I get into that, Esoteric Eddie is actually short for Esotericological Eduardo. See, motherfucker. Nah. Nah, I'm just fired. Shut <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just fucking with you. But um, <laughs> that guy's a fucking <laughs> troll, bro. <laughs> uh man. Uh yeah, dude. I mean, I think us in this in the as we can we call it the truth or community, sometimes take take it for privilege or advantage that we know all this stuff and we're kind of just like, ah, whatever. But there was a time when, when I was indoctrinated in, in the ways of the institutions of the world. It's a very short time, but I was as a kid. And there's people that I come across every day that are just living with these blinders on that like wholeheartedly believe the mainstream and are filled with fear and just, and not even, not even like when it comes to conspiratorial or spiritual stuff, but just like basic, you know, um, day-to-day life stuff. Like I got friends that, you know, younger, older than me that, are just lost in their lives, don't know how to even put together a resume or something, you know? And so I think us specifically, like we, we're privileged to know what we know and to have gone through the battles we've had to, to get to this point, to know what we do and be able to apply it in our lives. Um, so sometimes I have to sit back and remind myself that like, like, damn, like I'm in, I'm in a good spot spiritually, emotionally, and, and you know, and, and other areas of my life. But after researching all this stuff, you know, having real life experiences, psychedelic experiences, paranormal experiences, and, and just studying for year after year after year, it's as cliche as just anything else, man. You just, if I had to put it in a sentence, you know, it's, it's for one, uh, we live in a world that is being ran by corrupt people, right? I mean, just, just the other day, me and my wife were talking like, we were watching this debate with Satanists and the Christians, and and there was a point that the, that the Christian lady brought up that I thought was a good point, which is it was like, who are we allowing to run the world? Who is leading us? I mean, honestly, like 
who is leading us? Who's leading this world? There are people out there, you know, who, who didn't have a, a good upbringing, don't really have father figure, real actual father figures in their life, or might have fathers that didn't actually teach them how to be a good person or how to like get their responsibilities done, right? But if you take that, you know, outside of just your family, I mean, people are looking to the government to tell them how to live life, what life's about. People are looking at NATO, these globalist governments on how to operate. But man, all of that is a, a massive illusion because really we are, are we are very significant beings, man. Like, let's cut the bullshit. I mean, what is this? What what are we doing? We are very significant. And what we are part of right now in this moment is, is miraculous. And we're, we're letting who? We're letting what? tell us how to how to live and run this world who who is leading this right and when you start to uncover that and you start to see the unfortunate truth about what's leading us and where it's leading us to then you start to um, realize the importance of your personal power and responsibility in your life first and and the lives of those people around you and then eventually the rest of the world community that was beautiful. Well said, man. That was well beautiful, said. yeah. 100%. So be a good person. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to put it, but but uh yes. But uh that's that's just that's base one, right? That's that's step one. That's something we should all that's something we should have been taught as kids. You oh. know? That's that's the kid level of it. But you know, and then it gets higher than that. But it doesn't need to get higher, right? It's we're all called for different things. Some people honestly are doing God's work by just being a normal person and getting up and going to work and helping their family. Sometimes that's really what some people on this earth are called to do. We might call them NPCs or whatever. Garden gnomes. That's what I call them. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, it, it's wild out there. And, and when you get into the spiritual aspect of it, the occult spiritual aspect of it, then you get into the place where we're blending good and evil. And it's like, well, what's good and what's evil? what's right and what's wrong. And then really it, 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 when you get to that point, it's like, what purpose are you serving? What master are you serving in this dualistic um, nature of reality? So that's why I say be a good person is one is a very low aspect of it. Cause you get to a point in your mind in the rabbit hole where you're like, am I even a good person mm -hmm. or am I just following fucking orders? So how do you know? That's gnosis, ah. Chris. That's that's the truth to you. I mean, that's what they were all about, whatever the truth is to you. I mean, I don't know what I'm not speaking for Eddie, but that's the way I see it. Gnosis is sacred knowledge to oneself. And whatever you do with that knowledge is up to you, essentially, because you can it's like the spirit of destiny. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. No, I, I fully understand the concept. Trust me, I'm just pulling on the string to see where we go yeah. with it. Like, but I'm saying, like, think about it from like a sociopath standpoint. They're doing God's work too. <laughs> oh fuck! Bro. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, literally, quite literally, some of them think that. You, you know, know? That, and I, hey, I, clearly, I don't agree with that type of behavior. I'm just saying it's justified in their mind. Like they're like, yeah, like I, you know, like Dexter or some shit. He's like, mm -hmm. listen, you know, because I like think about it too. Like, listen, if I'm gonna be a bad guy, should I be a real bad guy, and should I do it for good reasons? Yeah, that's deep it's, as fuck, bro. That's too deep. I'm just podcast. saying, man, like. Listen, like it's it's it gets weird. Like, was Joan of Arc right for killing people? Did she hear God in her head? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't begin to presume to know. But and there's something interesting with that. I'm not sure. Have you guys ever have you guys ever heard of the bicameral mind theory? Oh yeah, we were gonna talk about this shit. Yo, hit us, 
Hit us with that. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Uh, I've just recently stumbled upon it, and I want I want to do more research, but it just adds a whole level to this. So there's a guy. Uh, I'm not gonna pull up his name because I'll probably get it wrong, but his last name was Jane's. So there was a professor who came up with the bicameral mind theory, and he postulates that just how today we have a voice in our head, right? Like how you hear your own voice in your head, you're, you're conscious, like, oh, maybe should I do that? Should I not, right? When you're thinking, that thinking voice actually is, is a degraded version of the bicameral mind. And that voice used to actually, actually used to be like very distinct in our minds to the point where it was like schizophrenic. And this was actually going back to our primitive days uh, of, of, you know, of, uh, homo sapien times our primitive days and this was our subconscious mind having its own distinct self and it was used as like a survival thing like don't do that right and then as we developed consciously as as uh, civilians as civ civilized homo sapiens that bicameral mind shifted a little bit and now we we perceive that bicameral mind which was really our own subconscious all along as being the mm. voice of dead relatives or being the voice of the gods and so well, like I've even, I've, I love that we're getting into this. I've even heard that like, you know, the Piscean age that we're exiting, you know, the whole fact of duality, you know, where our mind, our, our spiritual evolution is in conjunction with the, you know, changing of the signs in the horoscope mm -hmm. and, you know, Pisces is a dual sign. And after our bicameral mind, you know, left that proto consciousness stage where it was very much like what we would consider, uh, you know, like a higher organism, like uh, a higher organism mammal, the way they think. And now we're sort of evolving this double, you know, duplicitous mind. I think now we're entering into something completely different into the collective consciousness united age where everybody at a rapid pace can, you know, be connected with anyone around the globe and share information. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's a very Aquarian thing, right? We're entering the Aquarian age. It's all about water, but yeah, man, I, I love the bicameral minds mm -hmm. topic. Although I don't remember the guy's name either, nor am I an expert, but I will say, you know, when you do mushrooms, you kind of get back into that proto state of consciousness, you know? Yeah, I, I always like to think that when I'm on a shrooms, like that's the shroom consciousness talking to me, you know, mm. like um, is, is Julian James, Julian James, okay. uh, the bicameral mind. But the reason I brought cool. that up is because uh, you mentioned Joan of Arc, what she doing? She heard the voice of God, this, this and that. Right. And then but going back to your question, Chris is like, how do we know we're good? Is that even the, the purpose and the reason for all this knowledge? I think uh, it's, I mean, it can be that generic or simple, but it can also be complex and it depends on your personal uh, position in this life and your positional call, personal calling. And what I mean by that is like, okay, for example, now we're, we're becoming like uber conscious as beings. Like now we're starting to understand our subconscious and that it has its own function. Mm -hmm. And so our purpose right now, okay, sorry, I'm trying to kind of just, freestyling right now but uh the world the world is going to do what it wants to do as a collective mm -hmm. so good and evil is going to shift with the collective there's always going to be outliers mm -hmm. right and and 
our world specifically that we live in right now with this globalist international world with social media, it, it, it shifts due to pop culture, right? Pop culture has just as strong of influence on us as government diction now, right? Back then it was strictly government diction, but then during the Renaissance era when, when we kind of did away with, um, you know, state and, and church, it, pop culture and free thinking started to take shift of where the world was going. And now in today's world, pop culture and the collective communities shift where things go. I mean, we see it all the time, like on Instagram in real time, the memes happen and then you see these memes and they become a big thing. So we're living in a meme civilization now. So where we're going to go as a civilization and as good people is going to be dictated by where the pop culture community takes us. But um, there's always going to be those people like us, I believe, who are going to kind of stick to a more traditional view of spirituality and occultism and, and just kind of always say, like, that's fine. We can go there if you guys want to take it there. But let's not forget where we came from. Not just be, And the reason being is because if, if we want to go to this far out AI dystopian, you know, craziness that Elon Musk and Meta is trying to take us to, at least let some mystics still exist that remember the old world so that when this shit fails miserably, there'll be a foundation as there always was, like the Enochian pillars to teach us how to restart with a good moralistic standing. That was that was beautiful. Nice. And, and to add to that conversation, right, we're talking about uh, how how you know how you can identify what is good and what is evil, right? You have Nietzsche talking about the, you said Uber, the Ubermensch, right? Where it was this man who made his own morals. He defeated nihilism because without religion, right? Because we've talked about all the bad shit that religion has to offer 100%, right? It destroys and demeans this fabric of reality, the real world that we're in. But if you have no purpose, right? Whatever that is, if you have no purpose and no meaning, it leads to nihilism, which is just uh, you're in this world for nothing. You're just existing. And that's very dangerous as well. And what Nietzsche was talking about, which also Nietzsche inspired Crowley with his will to power, where he believed that the will is this metaphysical aspect that exists in all of us. It's this thing that manifests itself differently within all of us. And depending on how the force, right, the Jedi use it for good and the Sith use it for evil, depending on how you use this will determines the outcome. So a painter will use his will to paint beautiful pictures. A businessman will use his will to make more money. You know, a musician will use his will to make music, right? It's whatever you use it for and whatever you put it. But if you have no foundation, this is what, what Nietzsche talked about being, becoming that overman, becoming, becoming the ubermensch, where it's this man who is above all other men who has become his own God, right? Who has manifested everything within himself to defeat nihilism in order to have a purpose in life. So essentially, you can become your own God in, in a sort of way, regardless of the fact. But some people, it's not that simple to them how Eddie's talking about, because some people live this shit. They eat, live, breathe, and eat it. And it's not as simple as just throwing away all your beliefs and starting your own. Some people need a foundation. Some people need a system. They need something to, to believe. You know what I mean? Like it's, that shit's deep, bro. That's philosophy 101 right there, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. Uh, I dig up with the ancestors, man. Like, sure, I'm an American with a Mexican heritage, but I, I resonate with all peoples, man. I love all cultures. So like when I I big up the, the, the ancients and the ancestors, and as long as I'm around, I'll always make sure that they're, you know, they're um, 
lessons and what they try to teach us will, will still exist because we're one family. We're one human family. Dysfunctional, well, but we're a family. I love it. And I, I definitely recommend, and I'm not just saying this because I just talked to this guy, but Peter Shampoo, bro, I definitely recommend you check out my interview with him and his work because that's exactly head. what. No, 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 no. Listen, he's on a mission right now, dude. And it resonates with what I did yesterday with my walking tour. You know, like Geronimo's grave was desecrated. His spirit was disinterred and taken from his grave in Oklahoma and brought to Skull and Bones. And because I live around here and because I've known about this stuff, I've researched it. I did a, a walking tour and my boy Amos, who taught me all about this stuff, was uh, busy, but he he, was, he said he was going to make it. Uh, he couldn't make it. That's all right. But uh, we had a good time. Altered the collective consciousness in a way. But Peter Shampoo is doing that on a whole nother level. He went to Wounded Knee recently, which is a very famous battle site. It's, you know, where they used to do the ghost dances. And, um, you know, a lot of the artifacts that were taken from there when those people were massacred uh, went to this place in Massachusetts. And he recently got a group together and they're going to go and get all those artifacts back and put them back where they belong, which, you know, I think that's really powerful. And, and I resonate with what you said, Eddie. And I think that's, you know, that's mostly why I suggested it. I also wanted to plug my show. Thanks Juan. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important, you know, for people to connect with their ancestry and our landscape, wherever we were born connects us to the history of this place. So it's vital to, to understand it and yeah that's why we love having historians on the show brother it's awesome to have you here thank you dude appreciate that appreciate that it's, it's wild to be called a historian like uh, <laughs> well i i'm not i'm not just teasing you i do believe it you know we we try to be funny on this show but you do have legit knowledge you know you traced a lot of stuff together today and uh yeah i don't know i, I resonate yeah. with it no, it's cool, man. I say it's cool because I was actually going to community college to be a historian. And my goal was to be the first teacher in San Diego to teach the ancient alien theory, like as like a course. But then like my life went through some like major lows and then I just left community college or like this place ain't it. And then became a plumber and did my own thing. And now I'm just independent. I'm an independent historian. So still able to do it. You know, Eddie, are you on that? Are you on that alien theory, though, still? Or has your uh, has your uh, your knowledge updated? Has your perspective updated? Yeah, yeah, it has over the years, and well, yeah, it has. I mean, we can get into it if you guys want to just ask me like specific questions, like specifically with the Anunnaki. Hollow Earth, yes or no? <clears throat> Hollow Earth, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Flat I'm, just, I'm, I'm gonna be brief with it. Obviously, some of these things take need explanation, but we're just gonna be brief with it. Yeah, yeah, quick. Hollow yeah. Earth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, flat Earth. No. No. Uh, Saturn Moon Matrix. Hell yeah, David. Hell I yeah. That. yeah. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. Uh, lizard people. No. What? Uh, damn, Juan, you out, son. Uh, 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 Nicholas. Oh, man. <laughs> what was that? Nicholas Cage is God. Is the one true God? Of course, G. Hey. Let's go, bro. <laughs> it's right, interesting because right. sometimes you want like a you know a synopsis, like 
are, are, are we fucking yeah, but with Chris, you're not even that's not anything to do I with love. ancient aliens all right what about yeah. what about machu picchu, machu picchu do you think yeah. that was built by aliens i mean come on it's on the top of a freaking mountain how did they move all that stuff up there what are your thoughts on machu picchu man see, <clears throat> okay when we say aliens like we got to be specific <laughs> right because some people are going to think like okay. greys or reptilians or, or anunnaki and um I mean, this is a conspiracy show, so we can be speculative. Yeah. Um, but again, my work is also to try to bring facts if possible. This is a Christian podcast, by the way. <laughs> it's <laughs> Yahweh, dude. <laughs> Yahweh did it all. Yahweh, Yahweh was the original Soldier Boy, dude. He's like, I did it all, baby. You know how Soldier Boy just claims to do it all. Matter of fact, Machu Picchu was built by Soldier Boy. Yo, ding that <laughs> shit, bro. Ding that Finish shit. Him. Nah, but uh, Machu Picchu, man, um, I haven't studied that in depth, but for, from what Sitchin says, it's an interesting story. The four brothers, I think it was four brothers and like two sisters, and the main brother, his name was Manco Capac, and he was told by the gods to um, carry this golden rod, and then until it like did something, I don't know, and then he found it and then placed it in the ground, and then that was the site for Machu Picchu. Really? I didn't know that. I'm learning something new cool. today, guys. Yeah, Manco Capac. I asked him, bro. Eddie knows his shit, dude. Look at that. So, I mean, but uh, that's the thing. With all of these ancient sites, you hear these mythical, mm -hmm. fantastic stories. And it's not limited to South and North America. I mean, it's a global thing. But it really makes you wonder, like, you know, how different the world was. I mean, bringing it back to Peter, he talks about how after the Great Flood, the, uh, you know, all the megaliths, specifically the pyramids, kind of got demagnetized. They just didn't work the same way they did previously. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it is, it is, especially with, like, I forget, I think it's Oyente Tumbo or Lente Tumbo, which is the one where they have, like, the, the um, stones that are almost fused together. Like, they're so mm -hmm. placed closely together, you can't even slide a piece of paper in between them. I mean... This is this is stuff that we can't reproduce to this day. So, I mean, the ancient yeah. alien theory, as much as it's kind of like uh, torn apart on History Channel, I think there's definitely a lot of ways you can look at it, and it's holds up, you know. So, yeah, then, it, it, like to be uh, quick uh, about it, like when we're yeah. talking about ancient aliens, we're talking about Anki and Enlil kind of thing, or we're talking about Greys, or what are we? All of the above. I would be talking about the Anunnaki. I think the greys play a different part in this. But uh, let me tell you guys a quick story about like ancient aliens and like, you know, how this influenced me and how it's changed over the years. So I started learning this stuff back like a couple of years before the, the TV show came out. And um, I used to like trip all my homies out about it, right? Like you guys need to learn about the Anunnaki, this, this, and that. You know, there was a specific house we'd all go to, you know, do our thing, get baked, drunk. And then one day I'm sitting there you know, kind of baked off the good cannabis. And then it's just, this show just premieres. It's like the first episode, it's like ancient aliens. And like, just starts going into all this stuff. And I'm sitting there like freaking out. Like, you guys, like, this is, this is the stuff I've been telling you guys about. Like, it's on TV now. Like, my mind was blown that they were like saying this on TV, you know, at that time. Because to me, this was like underground knowledge, you know, that the government would kill people over. And now it's like, what, season 800 or something, <laughs> you know? And it's like they're yeah. just stretching everything they can out of it. And um, I actually went to Ancient Alien Con, the first one, the first Ancient Alien Con with a couple of homies. That was a wild experience. I actually met uh, Giorgio, the crazy hair guy. It's aliens, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. For a brief second, like we were leaving, like, and he made his like agent or something. We're in this like random little corner. So close. <laughs> and I was like, what up, dude? And he was just like, hey, yeah, hi. All right. <laughs> but, uh, is that the so, guy yeah. with good hair? Dude? Yeah. Yeah. The crazy. Yeah. He's got good hair. So, man, I'm, I, I went through that phase, you know, of like just being like super, like, damn, this is wild. But then, like, I, I just, I checked out after like season three or something. But, um, if I'm being honest now, yes, I mean, I, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think that uh, the Anunnaki really came from planet Nibiru and, and outer space. Mm. Not now, only because we don't have enough evidence for that. There are texts that do point in that direction, right? Like we have the, the, the Sumerian king list and just certain things. But what I am sure about, and I could be wrong, but what I am sure about is that there was a cataclysmic event on this earth many, many years ago. And prior to that cataclysmic event, we were a totally different peoples that did worship beings that told us they were gods and we viewed them as gods. And after this cataclysmic event, and according to the text also, a lot of these quote unquote gods left or vanished and left some custodial gods, um, as uh, William Bromley would put it, to take charge of us and keep this thing going in their favor. So when we hear these stories of, of uh, all these gods going to the Americas and this, this and that, dropping off like a handful of people and being like, build this pyramid, do this, I'll be back in, at the age of Aquarius or something. When we That definitely happened, as is told and obvious. But uh, did these beings come from space, Nibiru, a different dimension? That part, I don't know. I can't honestly say. But there's a lot of interesting things when it comes to the cataclysm and what was uh, there before it and how civilization changed drastically after it. And now we're in this mundane institutional world. Yeah. And, and to add to that, Eddie, I can respect hmm. that idea that they didn't come from outer space because a lot of these origin stories have these gods coming out of the ocean, out of a cave hmm. systems, out of hollow earth. So it could suggest that there is some place like Shambhala or Agartha within underneath our earth that, how you said maybe they're not from outer space maybe maybe they're from here like the nomos right they came out of the ocean you have some inca and aztec stories of their their creators coming out from the earth rising from within the earth and coming out and yeah dude i could i could get 100 percent behind that i like that i like that a lot but then you have the asteroid yeah. belts which i like the idea that these planets broke up and this is what these asteroid belts were you have the kuiper belt you have the other one where it's fragments of a lost ancient world. You know what I mean? I also like that idea yeah. too. Well, yeah, that's that's the Enuma Elish. And I was going to mention that earlier when we were talking about astrotheology and how, I got the, Bible you, bro. Be, how the Bible can be like a, a metaphor for the sun and the planets, Chris, as we were saying. That's a, that's a very possible, uh, you know, possibility. Uh, you know, the astrotheology aspect of it. But I think astrotheology actually stems to the Enuma Elish. And for those who don't know, the Enuma Elish is the Sumerian creation epic of our solar system. Mm -hmm. And um, in that epic tale, they, instead of saying, you know, that they're the planets, they tell it in a style of gods fighting in a war. So if you were to read it for face value, you, you would think you're reading a war between gods, but actually it's telling you the creation of our solar system when our orbits were more erratic and 
backlashing and this and that. And then the hero of the story was um, Nibiru or Marduk, as it was later named, who came in from from out of our solar system and kind of hit everything and, and kind of shook everything into the orbit that it's in today. And we do see some weird things in our solar system that aren't on, that aren't explainable. Um, for example, Uranus doesn't spin on its top axis like all the other planets. It's spinning on its side. <laughs> so something knocked it over. Right. And then, as, as Juan mentioned, as Juan mentioned, we have the asteroid belt and a lot of uh, scholars like classical scholars from the 20th and 18th century postulated that this is strange, that where the asteroid belt sits, there had to have been a planet before due to some strange scientific mathematics. So um, the Sumerians were unprecedentedly intelligent and educated. And then that's where we ask ourselves, by who? Right. And then that by who is there's a great question that ancient aliens has been trying to answer for 800 seasons. <laughs> but it's very possible, man, if we're being honest, it's very possible, too, that that these Anunnaki gods were just smarter humans that just took advantage of the cataclysm. Right. The initial great reset. And we're like, yo, man, we gods like, you know, and so that's a possibility, too. Yeah. You know, they say that as above, so below thing all the time and everybody feels so smart when they say it, right? But I just feel like that's what it is. It's like if there's gangsters down here, there's space gangsters. And I could just see them pulling up on some goddamn monkeys, be like, yo, make them just a little bit smarter. Not too smart, just a little bit smarter. And also make them small and weak. Yeah, and weak. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll just stick around, be by the beach or whatever. So or I'll fuck you up. Eddie, as <laughs> yeah. as we wind down here, is there anything else <laughs> that you want to add before we move on to the other side, if you will? You know, do you have any cl- closing thoughts, conclu- you know, conclusion or anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Oh, man. Um, just keep learning, dude. Just keep learning. Don't ever, you know, think that you've learned it all, especially in this community. Keep learning and try to dig to the source of whatever whatever it is you're learning. You know that's that's been my method and it's gotten me this far. And um, yeah, man, just keep learning. Dig for those source materials, and let's be cool and chill people to 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 each other. Finish him. And that I like was that. Oh yeah, that was Ed Esoteric Eddie. Can you share where people can find your work, Eddie? Uh, your social media yeah. and all that good stuff. I know you got a really good YouTube channel. You post those documentaries on there. You let them know where they can find you, bro. Yep. Instagram, Esoteric Eddie. YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. Bit shoot, um, Esoteric Eddie TV as well. And uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Just uh, stay up to date with the movement. A lot of big things are going to be coming out the next couple of years. You got to make sure not to dig right too on. deep, guys. You know, this was fun, guys. And, you know... Oh, shit. We're too close to the truth, guys. I got to go. <laughs> you got him, man. No, Eddie, you're the man, dude. I love this, man. I would not put you on our list of uh, confirmed Illuminati because you're just a straight-up G spitting the facts, and I love it, dude. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun, bro. Thank you for coming on, bro. Yeah, that cool. was great, dude. Fuck yeah. Peace.
brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 